Welcome to Relate Your Research, the online podcast featuring social work researchers. I'm Jessica Renarsson, and learning should be relatable. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Relate Your Research. It's very exciting to be back with you all, and we have spent some time recording, producing, and cleaning up many conversations, which I hope to be sharing with you in the next few weeks. It's very exciting. I thought it would be good to start this episode off just with a quick touch base with all our new listeners. The podcast is fairly new, but I've been blown away by the encouragement and just the most amazing response from the public, um, fellow colleagues, other students, basically everyone that I've spoken to has just been so complimentary and so supportive of the channel so that really spurred us on and um, I've been really blown away so just a, a thank you and a shout out to to all of you who listened to podcast episode one. The purpose of Relate Your Research is a is to offer a platform to share research and to journey with social work researchers to make learning relatable. I think as a social worker myself I'm often um, thinking, you know, how do I integrate? How do I critically analyze what's happening around me? But also, how do I relate research that I'm engaging with back into the field? And so I think for many researchers and academics, it's it's an interesting question to figure out how do you relate your research to the world and for the world and the field out there to decide, well, how am I going to access current research that can affect and impact my practice? Podcasts are an exciting new method of sharing knowledge, thoughts, having conversations, really. Um, and that's an exciting platform for me, for us to be, and for us as a community of social workers or interested parties. This um, is also a way of getting to know others better. And I'm hoping that as the community grows, it'll be really encouraging to watch people connect up with some of our guests so yes social work is a wonderful field with many layers and the field calls for action um academics call for theory and some people jump between the two as i was saying and so i think it's an exciting platform to create where researchers and um practitioners in the field can can use Relate Your Research as a platform to engage each other um, and to to share their knowledge. So our pilot episode was on supervision in social work and it was a, a wonderful kind of starting block. And we hope to begin to branch out into many facets of social work and social work research and really begin to capture the interests of social workers. For some people that may be substance abuse or looking into um, criminology of some kind, looking into social justice. For some people that will be community work. For others that may be family preservation. For, For some social workers they may be interested more in the child protection services, more statutory work, people may be interested in parenting programs or education. 
And so we really start to see um, the layers of social work begin to unfold. And um, we've been talking a lot here just in studio about how do we engage you as the listeners, but also begin to provide interesting and thoughtful, critical debate and scholarly debate. So the question on my mind is what are people writing about and where are social workers spending their time when it comes to research and learning? And I know for different people, their interests will be different. Um, Culture plays a huge role and we have an interesting discussion and conversation to share with you in the next few weeks all about that. What will help is if you are a subscriber to our channel. And so my first kind of call to action would be that as we as we grow the channel um, for you to stay connected, no matter the topic, um, the content is aimed at social workers. So please share the link with your colleagues or the people that you know. And as we tiptoe into iTunes, pending at this point um but yes as we tiptoe into itunes please leave a review because that really helps the channel get more exposure and lastly if there's a topic that you're interested in or if you have someone you'd like to refer or if you know of some research that you think would be ideal to be featured on relate your research please drop me a mail the link is in the description below where anyone who's interested in in putting forward a suggestion for a podcast episode can can share that with us and we will will take that further so without further ado let us get started with this next episode good morning welcome back to relate your research the social work research podcast which is a platform for social work researchers to share their journeys their findings and their experiences of what it means to to be a south african researcher and what it looks like to explore social problems today we have Dr. Zimba from Stellenbosch University with us, which is very exciting. He's involved with a number of projects, which we'll hear about today. And although um, we're very new to the podcast, we welcome all of our new listeners. And um, thank you for joining us today, Mr. Zimba, Dr. Zimba. Thank you so much. It's good to engage with you. Brilliant. So our theme today is looking at traditional healers and HIV AIDS, particularly with the implications for social work practice. It's very exciting because this is very much a cultural topic and I think people may tend to tiptoe around this topic from time to time and culture plays such a crucial role in the way we understand social problems as social workers but even just as members of society and so I'm very excited to hear more about that. For our listeners from all over, HIV AIDS is a a health issue which has progressively impacted South Africa in a number of ways and Dr. Zimba will share more about this in detail as we talk about his various projects. Dr. Zimba is a lecturer from the Department of Social Work at Stellenbosch University. He teaches community work and theories, models and perspectives in social work practice. And in the past few years, his research has tended to focus around traditional healing, HIV, cultural practices, particularly looking at family strengthening programs. So it's very exciting to have you and let's jump straight in. So, 
Dr. Zimba, maybe you can share a little bit about your research focus and maybe break down for the listeners what a traditional healer is. I think that would maybe be a good place to start. Uh, thank you so much. So uh, I think for us to be able to answer what a traditional healer is, we would also have to understand that they are sort of different types of traditional healers, you know. Mm which I can think of about five types of African traditional healers, a diviner who is somebody that is crucial in linking humans and, and the supernatural, which usually they use uh, diagnosis by throwing bones and cards and stones to consult with the ancestors. Mm. We also have the second one, which is the herbalist, which is this is an ordinary uh, person who have acquired an extensive knowledge of herbal treatments, but who do not possess uh, certain uh, traditional powers, you know. So they use the herbs to sort of cure particular particular disease. They use the herbs and medication to sort of um, cure particular illnesses. Okay. And the... Okay. Yes, no, sorry, continue, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the third one is the prophet, this one, or a faith healer. Uh, this one is within the framework of using uh, religion and churches to, or church beliefs to actually provide um, uh, health-related intervention. Mm -hmm. And the the the, the, the Fourth one is a traditional surgeon who conducts uh, circumcisions for for initiates, and the last one is the birth the birth uh, attendants who assist with delivery of babies. So those are actually the different types of African uh, traditional healers. Sure. So we're actually talking about a scope of practice in some way where traditional cultures are using different avenues to heal people. Right. So yeah. we're talking about yes. in some ways medical, but in other ways, there are there are social elements to that as well. Am I yeah. understanding you correctly? OK. And tell me, in South Africa, would there be different healers for different cultures? Is it um, linked to one specific culture in South Africa? We have a number of of cultures and racial groups. Um, maybe you could comment on that. Uh, I, I, I think really we. We, we can agree that South Africa is a multicultural uh, community, you know, and we've got a number or many cultures which are related to our different languages in South Africa. And somehow they can sort of relate to the issue of, of race. But what we have to understand is that uh, culture has no, has no race. Mm. And when we look at the definition of culture, we look at behaviors, we look at values, we look at uh, uh, beliefs, we, we, we also look at uh, issues around norms, you know, and yeah. all of these things, when you, when you look at different races, they've got their own norms, they've got their own values, they've got their own uh, uh, sort, of, sort of particular behaviors that could be traced from that particular culture. But when you look at these different traditional healers, you would come to, to understand that they exist in different cultures in South Africa. And most of them, you could find that if you're looking at the Swati culture, there's 
actually existence of all these different types of, of, of traditional healers that I spoke about. And also different types of traditional healers are actually one way or the other uh, existing in, in, in different cultures in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay. So that's really exciting, particularly if we're talking about indigenous knowledge and we're talking about cultural kind of acceptance and understanding it's really an exciting discussion to have because many people don't actually know that South Africa is this diverse pot of cultures and and it's all impacting on each other actually great so could you maybe tell us a little bit about what brought about your research interest should I say that uh, it comes from a very young age yes. and it's related to my family somehow so I grew up in a village in Pumalanga, and um, my grandmother was a traditional healer. So I think that's where the birth of uh, traditional healing and indigenous knowledge and cultural practices actually came from. And as I continued along my journey of acquiring knowledge to become a professional social worker, I then practiced in a village called Alice in, 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 in the Eastern Cape. Yes, I know I, it well. <laughs> yeah, where I had a privilege to actually engage with a number of uh, local uh, communities about their social problems. And amongst these social problems was the issue of HIV and AIDS. Mm. And I think that's that's when, then when I wanted to do my master's, I decided that I wanted to do a research on uh, traditional healing, HIV and AIDS, and our role as social workers within that knowledge belief system. Absolutely. Have you had some interesting feedback on that when you tell people that you are researching HIV or maybe during your master's when you were trying to recruit? I'm not sure if that was a shocking experience or maybe you, yeah, were people surprised? I, th- I think we can look at this in in two ways. When I engage with people within perhaps academia or within our profession, uh, some they ask themselves a question of what does this has to do with social work? What does traditional healing has to do with what we do as social workers? And I, I found that very much interesting because all the time I had to explain that uh, we as social workers, we work with people who experience different challenges in communities and HIV and AIDS is one of the challenges that people are experiencing and we know that there are different types of systems that are set in place to be able to fight against the high spread of HIV and AIDS but then therefore we are moving towards using uh, indigenous systems to understand the ways in which HIV and AIDS can be kept in our country so I, I always find myself having to connect Mm. HIV and AIDS, traditional healing, and 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 social work practice. But when I on on the other side, when I speak to rural individuals or people who comes from rural communities, when I talk about traditional healing, HIV and AIDS, it's somehow easy for them to understand because it's what they know, it's what they're relating to, but also then I would have to explain how it links with social work. Absolutely. So I find myself within these two different different worlds that I have to sort of link and make them understand how do social work fit with, 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 with HIV and traditional healing. 
Wonderful. It's so encouraging to me to hear somebody begin to explain how relating your research matters. And that really is the the intention and goal of this podcast is to allow our listeners to begin to relate to research in different ways and also for researchers to relate something that matters and, and a topic of interest back into the mm. world. So that's really encouraging. Could you explain a little bit about the research findings from your master's, perhaps particularly since that was, was your focus, and maybe some interesting conclusions that you've discovered? So... The aim of the study w was to sort of gain an understanding on the roles and challenges of traditional healers, as well as implications to social work practice. So the, the, the findings of the study on the, on the roles of um, traditional healers was more centered around the different types of traditional healers that exist in rural communities and what is their sort of uh, health intervention with, with, within that. And this is where I have discovered the different types of traditional healers and what, what they do, as I've, as I've touched earlier on. Yes. But the, the, the second aspect on the challenges was that traditional healers supported to me at the time during the, 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 the research that they are facing financial challenges, they're facing lack of medicinal plants, they're facing mm -hmm. lack of collaboration with healthcare stakeholders, they're facing challenges of negative attitudes from community members and healthcare professionals. So when you look at these challenges, the issue around financial challenges is that most of the people who go consult traditional healers are actually the poor people in our communities whom do not uh, have much money to actually pay the services of, yes. of, of, of that particular traditional healer. And the lack of medicinal plants, they, they explain that it's related to the whole issue of uh, growing population, that there's no longer forest where they could actually go and get uh, the medicinal plants so that they can prepare medications for, for, for their clients. And this on its own, it means that uh, their practice, it, it, it's often being challenged by that because now a lot of forest or rather a lot of unused field is now getting occupied by people who are looking to build communities and build houses. And the issue around the lack of collaboration with the, with the healthcare stakeholders is on the fact that um, the healthcare uh, practitioners or the healthcare system do not regard traditional healers as uh, a, a recognized uh, practitioners within the healthcare system. Uh, even though we know that there's Traditional Healers Act of 2004, but still most of the uh, healthcare practitioners do not recognize uh, traditional healers as legitimate uh, healthcare providers. And lastly, the issue around negative attitude from community members. I mean, as a multicultural community, you find that we've got different beliefs and different values. Some people believe that traditional healers are actually evil spirits. Some, they, they believe that they, 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 they somehow witchcraft. So all of those information relates to those negative attitudes where actually the challenges that are, are experienced by traditional healers in, in, in different communities. Sure. So it's actually sounding like in some ways that as a, as a group of people, healers, um, traditional healers are, are misunderstood actually, um, by the health profession? 
Is that what you were saying there? And that there's a challenge of livelihood in terms of the finances? Uh, yes. I think when you look at the knowledge, knowledge composition in South Africa about healthcare and, uh, and, and understanding of the etiologies of um, diseases, you find that it's more of a Western, Western knowledge. You yes. know, and uh, that on its own, it, it indicates that there is a, a need for, for, for healthcare practitioners to actually uh, receive a training on traditional healing and understand what, traditionals, what traditional healers are and what are the good practice that traditional healers are actually engaging themselves into. And to somehow have an understanding that they are useful herbs that traditional healers are using for particular or for different types of diseases that they're actually they're, they're actually uh, attempting to to cure or to assist their their patients so i think there is that element of not understanding what the other is doing even though the traditional healers know what what medical doctors are doing what nurses are doing but i might doubt to say that uh, doctors and nurses, they might have the full knowledge of what traditional healers are doing and, and, mm. and how are they assisting and how important are they are to, to societies. Because about 60% of rural uh, commuters, you found that their first point of health care is a traditional healer. Yes. The first person they think of is to go to a traditional healer, not a medical doctor or not a oh. nurse. Even if they want to go to a nurse, they don't have that clinic for that matter. They must travel about 40 kilometers to a clinic and the traditional healer is just a person next door which they can actually go to. It's easy accessible. You don't have to pay that much money. You don't have to travel. So traditional healer becomes a preferable option due to socioeconomical uh, issues of our communities. Sure. So there definitely are layers to, to this topic and um, there are various perspectives, I suppose, on the way people would view that. Um, mm. Could you maybe reflect a little bit for us on the value that this research has had in a South African context? I know you've touched on a few things, but maybe if you'd just like to talk to perhaps some of the recommendations or just the value that you've seen the research have since your master's. Yeah. I think uh, this brought me to conclude and recommend that there is a need for Afrocentric model of, of social work. Mm. There is a need uh, that as social workers, we need to uh, use different belief systems to actually understand uh, our clients' uh, problems and be able to, to, to assess their belief on what do they believe their, their, their problem manifests from. And understanding that culture can be used as a toolbox of everyday solutions. So there's a need really for Afrocentric model uh, of social work. And secondly, there's a need to recognize uh, beliefs in, in witchcraft, traditional healing, and sisters, and the existence of uh, supreme being and cultural rituals uh, in, 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 our, in, our, in our curriculum. And also, there is really a need to, to, to understand that as, as practitioners that deals with people in most of our in most of our time in practice we would really have to take our time to to to, to demonstrate that we've got the knowledge we've got the skills 
and we are aware of other people's culture and we are aware of, of, of what other people are, are actually believing in to, to solve their problems or to deal with issues that they are experiencing on the ground. Sure, absolutely. So to almost look outside the box and see that our worlds are not separate, but actually very much interlinked and yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Okay. So for the second section of our, our time together, it's always great from a, a relating perspective to be able to relate some of the lessons that you learned along the way. And I know that you're involved with a number of projects in various aspects, but it would be mm-hmm. wonderful for you to share with our listeners who some of them may be early researchers, some who may have been researching for a long time, may even be some students um, in the audience. And so maybe you could share with us some of your reflections that you learned along the way as a researcher. Uh, I, I do think that uh, I, have, I have learned that there are so many systems of beliefs Mm. and institutions working towards curbing social problems. And only if we can find a way to work together, share knowledge, test knowledge, that's the way in which collaboratively we can be able to assist people in the ground. And also understanding that um, sometimes uh, the research journey does not begin in your uh, in your office, and it does not begin in 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 the literature that you sort of read, but it might begin from engaging with people on the ground, hearing their stories, hearing what they are actually struggling with, and what they may want to uh, find solutions from, or the, what they might want to to know what causes a particular phenomenon. So I I I do think that. Uh, taking the bottom-up approach in research could be very much helpful in terms of trying to find ways in which we can solve some of the problems that our people are experiencing on the ground. Absolutely. It's really exciting and it's an encouraging opportunity for anyone who's interested in cultural practices or looking into health beliefs to really see that the voices of the people matter in this regard. So, yeah. What are some of the challenges that you faced in your project? Uh, because uh, some of the projects that I do has something to do with culture. And if you look at culture in South Africa, it's a very sensitive subject. Yeah. It's a subject which you cannot just want to, to talk about. But I suppose for the fact that I am black male, sometimes it it does has its own uh, privileges because I am able to to engage cultural custodians uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a very easy way compared to if it was a black female or a white female who would want to ask questions or want to establish a research project around the issues of, of culture. It would have a lot of uh, implications um, around that. But the challenges that I have experienced through this process were the issue of recruiting people who would be participant in, in your research. Yeah. I think particular in the issue around HIV and AIDS and traditional healing, because one of the sort of criteria of inclusion were to be traditional healers that have somehow um, had uh, treated a patient who is HIV positive 
then most of those traditional healers were sometimes saying to me that uh, we cannot confirm if the people who have treated were HIV positive or not. And simply because they do not have the test kits themselves. And secondly, they did not consider their illness at the time as something related to HIV and AIDS. They were talking about that those illness were caused by supernatural, were caused by ancestral lack of communication. They were not relating all of those illness and the symptoms that they were seeing into their patients as something related to HIV. So that on its own, it became a challenge to actually... Uh, uh, deciding either that particular traditional healer is fitting to, 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 to be a participant in, in the study. And also, I wanted traditional healers who have received the training about HIV and AIDS. So the challenge was that uh, not most of the traditional healers that I was uh, recruiting were actually trained about HIV and AIDS. There were very few traditional healers that were that were actually trained. So that was the limit. That was the limitation of the study because I could not recruit as much as 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 participants as I would have loved to have to have yeah. diverse views around 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 the subject. Sure, no, it makes sense and very much a real issue for researchers who. You are looking into topics and all of a sudden you set your criteria it's not always the easiest thing to to then tick all yep. those boxes so sure You're right <laughs> okay and what advice would you give to other social work researchers out there maybe some of our early early career researchers or postgrad students uh, yeah I, I do think that maybe this advice would uh, be advices that are directly speaking to researchers that are interested in issues around cultural practices and their implications in social work. Mm. That there is a need to familiarize ourselves with African cultural practices, yet recognize that we are part of a global village and we need to remain open to international developments in the profession. And the second advice would be that there is a need to uh, reframe discourses to focus on research into indigenous cultural practices in, in, in our country, such as uh, Stockfell, Bural Society, mm. Ugutwala, and all of those other indigenous cultural practices. So I think those are the advices that I could give uh, other researchers who are interested within the field of cultural practices. Yeah, no, that's great. I think there's a lot of courage that goes into tiptoeing into the space of cultural practices. So yeah. I think you're definitely leading the way in that regard. And um, for the, our listeners, we will link Dr. Zimba's research in our show notes below. So you're welcome to gain access to some of his study findings. And if you wanted to to read up more about his studies, those links will be in the in the show notes below. Uh, yeah. may, may, may I also add that uh, the study findings was, was published in uh, 2014. So I would also put the link for, for that particular article for other readers, I mean, for the listeners to, yes. to read in their own time. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. So thank you very much for your time. I think cultural practices are not always spoken about, particularly yep. in this way. And so it's really a refreshing conversation. And um, we would ask the listeners if they're interested in finding out more to subscribe to the channel because 
here at Relate Your Research, we feel that learning should always be relatable. Thank you very much for your time, Mr. Zimba, and we'll, we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Relate Your Research. If you would like to be featured or have any suggestions on topics you would like covered on the podcast, please drop us a mail by following the link in the bio.